Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of CLTV at Educator Innovator. It's November 30th, 2017. I'm your host, Trisha monticello Keeblin, and I work on the community building team at the Sprout Fund. Sprout is a nonprofit based in Pittsburgh, PA, that works to solve problems, share knowledge, and see change. From 2011 to 2017, we worked as the stewards of the Remake Learning Network, a network of more than 300 organizations and several thousand educators in the Pittsburgh region who are dedicated to innovative teaching and learning. As the so-called network steward, Sprout worked to support educators in schools and out-of-school time settings by offering three types of support, catalytic funding, community building, and storytelling. With the generous support of funders like the MacArthur Foundation and the Grable Foundation, we've supported dozens of collaborative projects rooted in connected learning. There are tons of great stories to tell about this work and its impact in our community. If you want to learn more about the interest-powered, academically-oriented, and peer-supported learning happening in Pittsburgh, I highly encourage people to visit RemakeLearning.org. On that site, you can explore some of the people, projects, and organizations making a difference in the Pittsburgh region. You'll learn some amazing things about how we're working together to transform learning in the 21st century. The project we're talking about today shares some of those amazing stories in a new way. Now we're launching a new collection of resources that exemplify some of the best connected learning practices that have been developed in Pittsburgh over the last several years. In order to do that, we selected 10 organizations to develop new lesson plans inspired by their previously supported connected learning programs. What's remarkable about this collection is that we're not just showing you what happened here. Instead, these lesson plans were designed so you can remix and reuse them yourself. These 10 organizations reimagined their existing connected learning programs to create new lesson plans that can be used by any educator anywhere. We hope that this project helps share and spread the remarkable learning activities happening in Pittsburgh with educators everywhere. So to give you a sense of what these resources are like, I wanna give kind of a high level look at what we've developed. There were 10 projects supported. Out of those 10 projects, seven are being shared by out of school time providers including our local public library system, a history museum, a museum of natural history, a YMCA branch, and a local makerspace. Three school districts created lesson plans, and there were two other projects created by nonprofits that are deeply embedded within local One of the things that really makes these projects hang together is that they're fundamentally interdisciplinary. They're about the intersections among art, technology, science, history, and more. There's even content that addresses some of the social emotional learning skills like self-reflection that are critical for helping students effectively make the transition from high school to college. I was also really intrigued as I saw these projects continue to develop to realize the big themes that emerged from them. Even though there's so many totally different organizations and a lot of different subject matter represented among them, there are some clear themes about art as social practice, about climate sustainability, about all of these things that are really deeply connected to youth in the Pittsburgh region that I think translate to the interests and the aspirations and truly the talents and ambitions of kids all over the country and all over the world. So I'm really proud of how amazing all these projects are. And today on this episode, we're gonna talk about just two of these 10 projects. Both of these projects feature creative uses of technology, support young people, expressing their unique perspectives. So I'm pleased to welcome Jess Gold from Assemble and Jamal Davis from the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh. So I want to invite first both of you guys to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about your organizations. Um, so Jess, why don't you go first? 
Absolutely. Um, so my name is Jess Gold. Um, I am the platform program manager here at Assemble. Um, I've also worked as an educator here. We are a community space for art and technology in Pittsburgh. Um, we provide free after-school programs focused on STEAM um, for youth in a wide range of ages. We also do some adult programs. We have things on the weekends um, and we partner with local schools and youth organizations to bring um, really like community-oriented STEAM learning um, to folks of all ages. Um, I, Trisha, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. <laughs> Sorry, Jamal, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jamal Davis, and I'm a community and outreach specialist with the um, Carnegie Lab in Pittsburgh. I work very closely with the um, labs, helping to helping to facilitate and bring this, the um, maker spaces outside of just being inside the library and bringing them to the actual community, kind of like kind of like what we did with Paulson and um, what we do with Juvenile Detention Centers inside Pittsburgh as well. So that's usually like the big part of what I do at the webs. And also in the library, we try to offer actual maker spaces and just build good community spaces we want to feel as welcome. That's awesome, thank you. So I want to dig in a little bit to the lesson plan that y'all developed for the Share and Spread Connected Learning Project. Um, tell us about where these programs came from. Talk, about, talk a little bit about how the activity worked and what students learned. Um, it might be helpful actually to talk about Rectitech a little bit too. I can actually, is it helpful for me to set some context about Rectitech first, do you think? Absolutely. Cool. Okay, so uh, both of these projects came out of a program called Rectitech, which happened in the fall of 2016. Rectitech was an initiative that transformed five local recreation centers into technology learning centers for five days in Pittsburgh. Five local organizations, including CLP and Assemble, transformed these after-school learning spaces into a space where kids could come after school to learn about something that had to do with technology, to create a project that after the course of that week, they got to showcase in a citywide party that we hosted in Shenley Park, uh, the Central Park in Pittsburgh's Oakland neighborhood. Um, so the CLP project was at Paulson, a local rec center in the East End, and the Assemble project was at Ormsby on Pittsburgh's south side. Um, what was exciting about these projects was that they managed to engage kids who were in these after-school programs anyway at each of these centers, um, where they otherwise would mostly be, playing, mostly be playing basketball, getting homework help, having a snack. All of those things are still valuable, and it was super cool that these kids got the opportunity to participate in a program like this. Um, so we called it kind of a demonstration project to show off what it would look like if you could implement this kind of technology programming in an ongoing basis within these kind of community centers. Um, so yeah, feel free to talk, talk more about your, what projects inspired the lesson plans that y'all developed for this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, bringing, I mean, uh, bringing it back to Rack to Tech just a little bit, Assemble uh, really values um, 
you know, youth voice and making sure that the young people that we're working with are um, driving, you know, the creativity and imagination um, behind all of the projects that we do. So we oftentimes will kind of provide a framework um, for students to think about things and some of the tools that they can use um, to uh, you know, express themselves and address issues that they care about, but it's really youth-driven. Um, Rectatech, like uh, Trisha was saying, you know, was very youth-driven. We work with youth there to uh, really uh, use STEAM tools uh, to design a maker space for their rec center. Um, and the curriculum that we uh, shared for this project, while not something we implemented with the youth at Rectitech, they were a little bit younger, um, also was um, kind of connected pedagogically to that idea. Um, so the students um, for this project um, are learning how to uh, do mixed media art through collage um, and sewing and talking about identity as part of that process. So they're making a mixed media collage art piece um, that expresses who they are, what they care about, what they're interested in, their identities, and then they have the opportunity to learn uh, about sewable circuits, e-textiles, how to actually sew a circuit onto their collage to make a visual connection between different pieces of their identity that they um, are expressing through the collage. Um, so again, it's just that, that, that idea of providing the tools and the framework for um, students to express themselves creatively. That's awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, Jamal, talk more about your program. Yeah, um, well, after we met with the staff at Paulson, they were very much concerned with bringing more, with bringing more actual development work to the space. So they want to do more coding and more things like that to get kids more excited. So we met with our team, and we wanted to do a game design um, type of program, but we didn't really want to focus too much on the coding because we felt like that could really flip up a lot of the kids and we also distance some of the younger ones who maybe couldn't do it as well. So we decided to use a um, great game development app called Voxels. We, well, it's not really that heavily coding intensive, it's more we focus on design thinking. So we focus most of the programming on, on actually using design thinking mecha, mecha, mechanisms, and we also focused a lot on peer-to-peer -peer learning and also this Co and also a co-working environment. So we broke all this. We broke them all up into teams, and we made the teams actually make each, make each other games, teach each other how to work. So it was a very peer-to-peer -peer learning experience. We coupled the younger kids with the um, with with older kids who would do more stuff on the iPads and had them show. Uh, and then it also kind of transformed from just being focused on more the design and the actual peer-to-peer -peer learning. It became more of a storytelling for a lot of kids. They focused on stories in, on, in the neighborhoods and they brought these characters to life that they previously watched on TV or they thought about they became superheroes inside of this game war and then we presented it. It was a, it was a great experience. That's super cool. It's interesting, both of your projects use a lot of technology tools. Talk about how the technology tools supported what was going on. I liked Jamal how you were talking about the peer-to-peer -peer learning that was going on. Like, how does the technology support that? <laughs> Um, definitely. Well, for us, we we had we had enough iPads that we could have bought everyone an iPad, but we wanted them to actually learn how to share and work together. So we bought enough that each team they have once they can actually do that as well. And also, when it comes to the actual technological aspect of it, um, just the fact that it was a video game, and they were so used to this idea of playing video games and being involved with this that having their own create 
having their own creative way to actually design one. It was something that I don't think a lot of them really thought about before, or actually understood the concept that they that they could they they could actually make this without having a super intense programming background as young as they are. So I think technology for us, it was just an opening of a door and it was also something that get them so so excited because there wasn't too much technology in the space. That's coming, all they had was a couple computers. They didn't really work that well. They would be arguing over the play voxels and stuff. So they were to go in there and give them that technology and let them get their hands dirty and actually create something with it other than just be passive with it was something that was, it was very exciting to see. And I feel like they left they they actually left knowing that they can be actually more interactive with technology, except for just being consumers of technology. That's awesome. That's um, yeah, I think that that um, it's really similar for us as well. I really like Jamal what you were saying, um, just about uh, you know being producers of technology and not just consumers, because young people today are using technology so often, um, using it in really creative ways, and I think it can be really empowering for them to realize, like, oh hey, I can actually create things that you know my friends and my family family and my community can use. I can take this into my own hands and um, be empowered by it. Um, so um, Trisha, just for clarification, do you want um, us to talk, uh, do you want me to talk a little bit about how we did that with Rectitech or the curriculum specifically for Share and Spread? I think for the curriculum with Share and Spread, that'd be awesome. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so uh, the idea with this curriculum is really to um, get young people, um, especially in school and after school settings, thinking about ways that um, you can fuse art and technology. I think that the way, unfortunately, that a lot of academic settings are structured, young people tend to think of um, certain ideas and certain subjects in more rigid ways. And um, we really um, and assemble, and I think in a lot of uh, the out-of-school time partners that participate in this project, we're really trying to, you know, get young people to think about these things uh, as inter interdisciplinary and issues, uh, the social issues that they're thinking about being being intersectional. So this project is kind of a way of doing that. You're fusing um, different art forms and forms of technology, using them together, and then also making connections between different um, aspects of your identity, different things that you care about. And I think that there's also um, a really, it's, so it's all about making connections. Um, and I think that there's a really important community building piece of that as well, um, because, um, you know, I think that with projects like this, it can be really easy to get a little bit wrapped up in the uh, personal self-expression part of it, which is critical and it's great and that's really empowering for young people but I think a special part of this project is the fact that at the end um, and really throughout the process not just at the end students are having conversations about identity having conversations about art and technology sharing ideas with each other and recognizing you know the power in their similarities and differences mm -hmm. yeah I think that's a great point I, I like what you were saying about the interdisciplinarity of this like it's so interesting and it's exciting to show students that like not only did their personal perspective belong in a conversation about identity and they're learning serious things about art and technology but also understanding that the divisions among those things are really artificial right like the idea that technology is just a thing to be studied on its own like is not necessarily the case like everything is connected and like if you can find a way to help students like 
use that to propel them into pursuing something that interests them and excites them. And that allows them not only to go deep into the things they care about already, but perhaps to find ways to explore new subject matter in a way that they didn't expect to enjoy so much or that allows them to really expand their interests and learn something else that's exciting. Um, like the, I think that's one of the coolest opportunities with things that are inter interdisciplinary in the way that each of these projects are. Yeah, definitely. And I think a big piece um, of that is also um, working with students to recognize that they're already doing this. Mm -hmm. um, they already have a lot of these tools and this knowledge. They're, you know, um, I think like, for example, I'll, I'll work with students who say, well, I'm an artist. I don't do technology or I don't, I, I don't know about science. And we're always trying to encourage them to think about the ways that they're using science and technology in their artistic practices that they might not even recognize. Um, you know, all of the art tools that you're using are pieces of technology. Technology is not just, you know, something that holds a circuit, um, but it can be, you know, that paintbrush. Somebody invented that as, you know, a tool for painting. Um, so, so getting them to, to think about these things in broader uh, and more connected ways, I think can um, also help to lower uh, or eliminate some of um, the personal, like psychological barriers um, around trying something new. Um, I think it can remove some of the stigma of like the idea of like that's something that's for me or not for me. You know, like mm -hmm. this, I, I'm a girl, so I can't do technology, or I'm a boy, so it's not for me, or you know, and things that go beyond gender that have to do more with background, more with socioeconomic status. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's one of the other exciting opportunities for getting kids to get involved in something that's interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. All right, so I have a different question. We've talked a little bit about connected learning and how it's interest-powered, academically oriented, and peer-supported. Talk about, I mean, I've already sort of name-checked that both of your programs, I think, are emblematic of really good connected learning practices, but how do you see that? How do you feel that these programs really um, speak to those cr critical characteristics of connected learning? I'll put Jamal on the spot. I've been putting Jess on the spot so much already. Uh, well, it's definitely it's definitely peer, peer learning connected. So when we like whenever we fly to any program, especially during the like the tech program, we wanted the students to feel like it was their stories being told. We wasn't telling them to tell a story. So after we came up with the actual idea of doing the game development thing, the next thing was to have to actually have them pick a actual location inside of their neighborhood and base the game off of. So it allows, it actually allows them to take, to actually take a flow over not just the war, but the whole story that they want to tell as a team. And then to actually go back to what Zest was saying, there was quite a few moments throughout that week where there would be one song or personality kind of wanting to possess the story. So having to understand that this is a group effort was something that I think was very important to us to keep them on flag. And they actually use the tech, actually, they actually use the technology to get, to give the story a voice that they can all see and can be and actually be put onto a screen with something that I think a lot of them really value. One of the first things that one of the um, one of the um, one of the very young ladies said to me was, "Is I don't know how to make games. I'm not a game designer." I was like, "Oh, you're going to be at the end of this." So, <laughs> so it really kind of helps them to develop that self confidence that you were talking about. That's terrific. Yeah, I think that's I'm curious. What do you guys think? Why do you think it's why do you think it might be valuable for other educators to have access to lesson plans like these? 
Like I, in my own work as a teacher, I know that I definitely had ideas for things that I wanted to do better with my students. Um, but it was sometimes challenging to like have a good starting point for that and to kind of know where to look. I'm curious, like, um, in having developed these lesson plans, like what are your hopes for how teachers might use them? And what like advice would you have for other educators in out of school time settings like you both work in or in in school settings? Like what advice would you have for folks to implement programs like these? Um, Jamal, do you want to go or? <laughs> yes, I'll go. Okay. Um, definitely, I think for other educators is it allows the opportunity to kind of break down those walls you was talking about earlier. So usually as as a kid, especially inside of a traditional school settings, we are a discipline trained. So I'm a math teacher, you're an English teacher, and that's what it is. But when you bring technology into it, it's everything. It's not one thing. It's it's all of it. It's all of it like in one big ball, and you gotta take it apart. But you really don't have to take the ball apart. You can actually hold the ball and play, and actually play with it and shape it into whatever you want it to do. So I think that's the one thing that I would want, like all as a who decide to use these lesson plans to actually take away with that they can bring technology into their classrooms, they can let the students be creative in many different ways. And they can also not just let them express themselves, but they can also let them know that they can create things and not just be a passive person who's sitting through the education process and just actually saying whatever or they want to hear back on the test, they can actually create something else. That's what for educators and for people like me who works in non-traditional educating settings. Um, I was just telling them, just don't be afraid to mess up. Always get your hands dirty. You know, and the kids will mess up too, and you guys will laugh about it, and you have a great time. So use them, have fun with them, and and tweak them too. Like just don't take my word for it. It might not be like my like my interpretation of how to use boxels might not be the best thing for your organization. So maybe maybe having a team won't it actually won't work good for you. Maybe you want people to be going on a solo project. So just actually play with them and always always have fun and always do what you love. That's all I got. All right, Zest. Yeah, I, I want to echo uh, what Jamal said about um, just like, you know, those, the barriers that we're, ta that we're talking about, um, you know, those are real for educators too. I think that like as an educator, I personally um, have learned so much from other folks who are doing this work and from young people. Um, who I'm working with and it feels like I think it creates uh, like an educational landscape and a learning landscape um, that's a lot more um, open to failure and experimentation and I mean the, like the good kind of failure that Jamal's talking about the kind of failure that helps you helps you grow um, if if we're constantly sharing ideas and um, you know, hacking things and changing things. Um, it, it creates opportunities for dialogue. It creates opportunities for experimentation. So, um, the, I mean, I've gotten that from so many other people, um, you know, lesson plans that folks have shared with me that I've adapted, and I hope that this is the same for, for other people. I recognize, um, you know, so the lesson plan that we wrote for this project involves sewable circuits. Um, and there are a lot of skills that go into it. So it's, you know, it involves collaging and then, um, you know, sewing and doing um, both circuitry and, I mean, sewable circuitry is a combination of, it's not just, you know, 
creating a simple circuit, but you also have to know how to, you know, apply the sewing skills to the circuitry. And, and it's a little bit involved. Um, but I think that, um, as Jamal was saying, you know, it might not be that this way of doing things is the best for everybody who sees this lesson plan. But I think it, I, I hope that it's adaptable enough that folks can take what they like out of it, what works for them, what they have, what resources they have access to and turn it into something that um, is is useful in their classrooms and empowering for the youth that they work with. So. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting theme that you both brought up is the idea that like there's a creative process that you're helping to spur for the students who are involved in this program, and there's also a creative process involved in the educators, like helping teachers to have some of the raw materials that they can use to either address an existing need and say, you know, I just really need. I need some activity or some approach that's going to help me do this better or to look at this and see something like this that's totally new to them and say, gosh, you know, I, I don't have that tool. I'm not sure I can do that, but gosh, I, maybe I should get that tool and it'll help me do something that I already do but want to do better. Like, I think that's one of the things that I think is so exciting about all these projects is that I think people could take the lesson plans that you've written off the shelf and just do them in a lot of different classes. They could be done in an out-of-school setting. They could be done, like, within an English class or a math class or a science class or I was a French teacher like in a foreign language class like they can be done in a lot of different settings um and also teachers could look at them and say actually there's just a bunch of like really cool insights from this that I'm gonna not do that at all I'm just gonna do something totally different but I want to be inspired by these ideas in this particular approach to do something just that that you wouldn't even have expected would have been related um but like that's how learning happens, both for kids and for adults, right? So I feel like that's really exciting if that's the thing that this can propel forward. All right, so I have one final question. Any final thoughts you want to mention about this project, about uh, how you hope people will use these tools, advice you'd have for people who might use them, comments, thoughts, jokes? <laughs> Anything else? Um, well, if you do use this lesson plan, if you do use the box holes and you get the kit and everything, make sure you have an iPad with a really good camera because <laughs> it's going to be really difficult. And um, one thing else, also is just take your time. Don't be afraid to learn it. Don't be afraid to play with it. Make a couple of your own games. See if you like them. And then give it to your students and give them the best shot. That's awesome. Thanks. Anything else? Yes. Um, yeah, I think uh, Jamal brought up something that, that I wanted to address with mine. I think that, um, you know, there, with sewable circuits, especially that that particular part of it, there's a lot of uh, in-depth learning and practice that kind of goes into preparing for a lesson like this, because sewable circuits are pretty intricate, um, but they can be really fun. Um, and I think that uh, while I try to provide a basic foundation for that with a lesson plan, I think that there are also like, you know, maybe opportunities for uh, research around that for folks who might just be uh, doing this for the first time. So um, I apologize if it's not uh, as detailed as it might need to be. Um, if it's new to people, but I encourage you, there are a lot of resources out there on um, e-textiles and sewable circuits that are a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the second thing that I just wanted to share was that I think that um, something that I've been thinking a lot about, um, and Trisha, you brought this up at the beginning, was um, the common theme of, um, you know, bringing um, 
real world issues and student interests into uh, making activities and STEAM focused things art and technology. And I think that, that that's so critical right now. Um, I'm thinking, I've been thinking a lot about the, you know, in, in the realm of STEAM education and maker education, you know, I think that there's, there's value in making things and experimenting just for the heck of it. But I also think that there's really right now, especially in our world, thinking about the, you know, how do we really take this and apply it in meaningful ways? Because the young people we're working with have so many brilliant ideas um, about, you know, what our world can look like and these tools can be really empowering for them to, you know, use in thinking about that. So. Well said. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to share your insights today and for the work that you put into these fabulous lesson plans. Um, if folks want to see more of what, so the projects that inspired these lesson plans, uh, what they look like in action, you should visit rec2techpgh. That's rec, the number two, techpg.org. Um, we'll have a link to it uh, next to where this lives on the CLTV website. Um, as we wrap up here, I just want to take another minute to thank our guests. Thank you both, Jamal. Thank you, Jess. Um, and to say thank you for watching here on CLTV at Connect at, at Educator Innovator. Uh, if you'd like to keep up to date on future CLTV broadcasts and related opportunities, sign up for the monthly newsletter at educatorinnovator.org and follow educator, educator Innovator on Twitter, say that three times fast, at innovates underscore ed. These lessons are all going to be available online at thecurrent.educator.innovator, oh my gosh, at thecurrent.educatorinnovator.org. I'm really, really having trouble, at thecurrent.educatorinnovator.org. And finally, you can learn more about the amazing work of educators in the Pittsburgh region at remakelearning.org, and you can learn more about our work solving problems, sharing knowledge, and seeding change at the Sprout Fund at sproutfund.org. Thank you very much for watching, and have a wonderful day.